0: Welcome to Unprecedented Nursing During a Pandemic. This podcast is a collaboration presented by LaBoury College, a leader in nursing and healthcare education, and William James College, a leader in psychology and mental health education. The series brings together nurses and psychologists for conversations about key issues that nurses and healthcare professionals are facing every day as the result of the COVID-19 pandemic.
1: Episode one of Unprecedented, Nursing During a Pandemic, explores loss and
2: grief. This episode is presented in three parts. This is part three. You know, I I think that people in the medical professions generally are not great at (laughs) self-care. And this is, if you laugh with great recognition, Mm -hmm. this is a very real thing. I see this a lot. Most of my clients who are medical clinicians are lousy at self-care, and I I hear this in so many quarters, and yet if you don't do that, you can't take such great care of your patients over time. You know, those those are the people who, who burn out and become bitter nurses or bitter administrators and hell to work with. We've all worked with them. And you've all worked with them. I've heard some stories.
1: We've all worked with them. But I will say that when you just talked about self-care as a coping mechanism, Mm -hmm. one thing that I decided out of this was that people who were considered obese or overweight are at a higher risk of having a poor outcome if they got Mm COVID-19. So I have not been able to give myself the care in terms of exercise and preparing healthy food for some time. So I decided that this is my moment to change, mm-hmm. that I'm going to honor the people who were lost by changing my life. So that's how I'm coping with it. I'm walking five miles a day, I'm eating healthy, I'm mm. doing a web page with women supporting each other. And for me, putting my energy into that has been a good release. And not focusing.
2: I, I love hearing you say this, Gabe. <laughs> this <laughs> this is music to my ears, and and I hope you can be an example to other nurses because it's very hard to find the time to do that. It's very hard to find the physical or psychic energy to do that. But my guess is you feel a whole lot better after that five miles of walking, and you feel a whole lot better after you've made a decent meal for yourself instead of having more fast food. And that is a, a beautiful way to do that. And you actually, uh, you read my mind because uh, I didn't know they taught that in nursing school. I thought that was just in my field. And actually, we don't have that class either. But I, I was very much thinking about self-care as a way of honoring uh, your patients. So I'm so glad you said that something i did which is much smaller than that when i and, and i want to credit my colleague kata weingarten who's a trauma psychologist uh, who talks a lot about the impact of of witnessing trauma to other people on the witness she she talks about she's also a cancer survivor and she talks about dedicating cancer treatments like uh, chemo or radiation treatments to somebody you admire, uh, which gives some meaning to a, an otherwise gruesome experience. And I took a little tiny version of that and the 20 second hand washing uh, that I need to do, I'm guessing you need to wash a lot longer than that in the hospital, but the 20 seconds I need to do, which seems like a very long time to a layperson, I dedicate to people who have died. And that, and I actually have a have a, a Jewish tradition in my life, and there's a healing prayer that I say, which is which takes exactly 20 seconds, and or 23 seconds. So I wash my hands for 23 seconds, and the healing prayer is for people who have COVID, and I find it really helpful, keeping me on track with doing the 23 seconds. Perfect. Um, so if you can dedicate um, your uh, your walking and your eating well to those who've died, then you, you're honoring them. You're giving them a place in the living world. Beautiful. So just a great idea. Other things people can do is grieve with colleagues when you can. Crying with a colleague is not a bad thing to do when you're off duty, you know, or, talking about how hard something was. I don't know how possible it is to take any time off, but getting a little time off could help a lot, even if it's just a day. Certainly starting some sort of debriefing group or support group at work would be a fantastic thing to do. And if, if it doesn't, in some cases, it doesn't feel safe to do that in one's own workplace. But it's also possible to be in online support groups with people from around the country where uh, you don't know each other's hospitals and nothing is going to get back to anybody. And in fact, my college, William James College, is offering exactly that kind of support group. So if anybody's interested in that, they can certainly reach out to William James College in, in the Boston area for that. But many other places are offering those supports as well. It makes a big difference to watch out for the emotional welfare of your colleagues. So look out for somebody who seems to have really burned out or to be just a little bit too compartmentalized, as you said, or dissociated from their feelings to the point where you're worried or they're coming in and you really don't think they're doing well enough to function to be able to be protective of them rather than angry at them. Which is hard.
1: And it's it's very hard to, you know, I could, out of the descriptions of how people could be poorly coping, Mm -hmm. I can think of a couple of nurses of each type as you're talking. Mm -hmm. As I said, I go to all the different units. Some of them have spoken to me about their grief and their sadness and their bitterness and their anger and frustration. One nurse just walked away sobbing and needed some space. The hospital has been doing you know listening sessions. Um, some attended better than others because I do think there's that association with work that makes it mm-hmm. challenging.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I anticipate that as this gets further on, that some people will just try to push it all away, and other people might try to find other resources outside of work. I think that might be more comfortable for people. I do think that most of the hospitals are offering a lot of different resources, but I think healthcare providers have a hard time seeking health, mental health. Yeah, There is a stigma you know, of people being weak or people not being able to handle what other people can handle, which is unfortunate because this is a situation none of us have ever been through. There's no, I don't feel that there should be an expectation that people should be able to handle this. I don't think that's realistic. I mean, there was a physician in New York who killed herself. I mean, I saw
2: that. Yeah, I saw that. And I think this is so important that that, that stigma does a lot of harm to nurses because uh, the work that nurses do is... Truly beautiful work, and it's very meaningful work. I am enormously proud that my daughter is a nurse. I, I really am so deeply proud of her, and I'm going to make her listen to this so she knows I said that out loud in public, <laughs> And but it's really hard, painful work. I know that, and because it is, it's, it's a little bit like chastising yourself for not running the marathon when you have a broken leg. Right. Uh, it's just not a good idea medically to run a marathon when you have a broken leg. I think as a nurse you would probably recommend against it. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. You are running a marathon every time you go to work when you are uh, working with the dying as you are in other circumstances but anybody working with COVID patients is running a marathon and they are running on a broken leg because no nobody is trained to handle this. And I guess maybe nursing schools and medical schools and the various allied professional schools will start training people for this, but I don't think there's enough knowledge yet. And there's not enough staff in order for everybody to work enough and not too much and for everybody not to be overwhelmed. And I don't think it's a mark of shame to be overwhelmed. It's a mark of how incredibly overwhelming this crisis is. I think that really deserves um, a lot of attention, that there's, there's not one nurse I know who wouldn't uh, go get treatment if they had cancer, if they had a broken leg, if they had a blood clot, somewhere, they would get treatment and they would know that there's no shame in not functioning. And the brain is also part of the body and the brain can also be overwhelmed. So I think if you think about the brain as a physical organ that can be overwhelmed, just like the heart or the liver can, that can be helpful in giving oneself permission, not only to be in a support group, but perhaps to get some personal therapy. Or it might need to be couple therapy or family therapy because family relationships have gotten more challenging because of the work that the nurse is doing. And that can be a service to both one's profession and one's family. It's true.
1: I think that what you speak of in terms of formalized support is very important. And I also think that the informal support that you can find is really helpful too whether it means going for a walk with a friend or you know punching a punching bag or making time to have a great meal with your family and sitting down with them or walking on the beach whatever things help you to feel grounded or connected with other people or back to kind of what reality used to be yeah those things are very healing as well and not to just be in and out of the hospital which is a kind of a a strange environment right now. Everything's a strange environment. And
2: and let me add a couple of other quick practices before we stop. And some people benefit from meditation. Actually, anybody would benefit from meditation, but not everybody's willing to give it a try. Some people who feel like they can't sit still and just B might do better with a form of moving meditation, like you (laughs) might do better with a form of moving meditation, like Qigong or Tai Chi, or even yoga, where you're doing something with your body that requires your attention, or a very slow walk that you coordinate. I mean, really slow walk that you coordinate with your breathing, one walk, one step per breath. Um, that slows you down so much that the only thing you can do is think about keeping your balance. That can be helpful. Uh, Many people have a spiritual practice and a spiritual practice can be enormously beneficial for anybody who has a particular spiritual or religious belief system. Of course, all of the services are online these days and can be accessed on Zoom on your own time. You don't have to go during the time that your house of worship would have services. You can check that out on YouTube anytime, depending on what your denomination or religion is. So all of those things uh, are helpful. Some people want to do art. I'm very moved that you wrote a poem about the two masks the one you wear at the hospital and the, the one to put on at home. Writing poetry is a, is a wonderful thing to do. And by the way, there's research that says that writing about traumatic experiences improves people's immune systems. Huh. So um, that's uh, Jan- James Pennebaker. That research, and so I think writing that poem did you well for, for your immune system.
1: Perfect. I'm not very poetic, but it felt right.
2: <laughs> well, it came to you because it needed to be written, I think.
1: I think so. Um,
2: so, do you have any last questions for me before we um, stop?
1: I guess my last question would be if a nurse is really struggling at work and struggling at home and feeling overwhelmed, what's the best way to get the quickest help when they're at a point of near crisis?
2: Mm -hmm. A good question. So I think um, in the workplace about the the social worker, the psychologist, or the chaplain at the hospital, any of those people could make a very quick therapy referral. The American Psychological Association, the National uh, Association of Social Work, the American Association of Marital and Family Therapy, the American Counseling Association, all of those organizations have uh, referral lists, state state by state, city by city. If you go online to Psychology Today, they have referral lists as well by specialty. And that is definitely something to think about. Uh, Anybody in the Massachusetts area can contact William James College because we have a referral system called Interface that refers all over Massachusetts. But I know this is a national broadcast, so that won't apply everywhere. But the state uh, associations of psychology, social work, and family therapy and counseling, and for that matter, psychiatric nursing which is a good thing to think about as well, since psychiatric nurses have a better understanding than anybody else of what nurses are going through. Uh, that could be really helpful. And of course, if you find yourself suicidal or wanting to hurt somebody in your family, you might just need to present yourself to an emergency room, preferably not the one where you work. Um, right. Uh, and, and be seen right away that day by somebody. But best to avoid it reaching that point and instead turning to a trusted colleague like the social worker psychologist or chaplain in your own hospital or nursing home or wherever you are working. And I think that's really, really important because nurses are a vulnerable population because of that whole stigma and the whole hero identity it's hard to admit vulnerability but you're a much better nurse if you do i agree the same is true in my field it's why most psychologists are in therapy at some point in their careers
1: it's a good thing to do you take a lot of grief and pain and it's it has to go somewhere and it has to be managed somehow and i think that kind of goes full circle to the point of the podcast and the grief and pain and anger and hurt that people are feeling and to acknowledge it and to process it and to find outlets.
2: Yes. And you're reminding me that one of the thing I forgot to say is that one way grief can play out is physically that you, uh, you can feel it in your body, the headaches and chest pain and stomach aches and, you know, your neck being tight and all of those things Obviously, trouble sleeping. That that um, there there's a book about trauma by Vessel Vanderkolk called "The Body Keeps the Score." And the body does keep the score. The body lets you know when you're not attending to your emotions. So there's a lot of things nurses can do. I think just making sure somewhere in your day, somewhere in your week, to find even if it's only five minutes to take care of yourself. To slow down and breathe, just let yourself breathe in and breathe out with your eyes closed for a couple of minutes can make a very big difference. And reach out to people you love, to people you trust, to people you work with and for therapy or support groups. Excellent. Thank you. Gabe, okay, this has been a wonderful conversation and I really appreciate you interviewing me. This is and I, I want to thank Labore College for reaching out to William James College to do this, because I think it's a really, really important topic. And all my respect and deep appreciation goes to everybody in your field for what you're carrying right now, what you always carry, but what you're really carrying deeply now. I think, I I don't like to use the word heroes. I think that asks too much, but you are unsung. And, um, but I, I appreciate so much what you do and I want you to take care of yourselves.
1: I think we have to, you can't take, what is the old adage? You can't take care of anyone else if you don't take care of yourself.
2: Yeah. It's the oxygen mask in the airplane. Not that anybody is on airplanes these days, but the (laughs) metaphor. true True story. Well,
1: thank you for your time and for giving suggestions and ideas for people to help cope in this new situation and to figure out how to move forward.
2: Well, thank you and good luck to everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to Unprecedented, Nursing During a Pandemic. If you found this information helpful, please share the podcast with your community. If you have suggestions for a future episode, please let us know. A link is provided in the podcast description. This podcast does not take the place of individual advice from a licensed mental health professional or medical doctor. Please seek support. If you are struggling to cope with ongoing stress or negative thoughts, please call your local emergency room. If you or someone you know is suicidal or in emotional distress, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-800-273-TALK. The number again is 1-800-273-8255. Again, thank you very much for listening. We wish you health during this unprecedented time.